your faithfulness in all those areas. I just want to pray a blessing over you. Can I do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for a church that believes in your mission. I thank you for a people that care more about reaching people for you than even themselves. Thank you that they give, but they don't give because they have to. They give because they get to. Thank you, God, that you have provided for us, and we have never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. Thank you that you allow us the privilege and the ability to produce wealth, and then you allow us to be givers. So, Lord, we pray that you remind us that we're blessed to be a blessing. We pray for a blessing over each and every person. We pray if there's a job that's in need, you'll provide that job. If there's a miracle that's in place, that you'll let them make that miracle come to life and that you'll remind them it was you and remind them it always has been you and remind them it'll always be you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen, amen and amen. Well, I'm happy to be with you today as we uh, continue in the second week of our series. Our series is called Serpents and Doves. And last week we came out of the blocks hot. I know we did. Uh, uh, even I went home and was like, Lord, um, I guess I'm going to see if there's anybody waiting for me uh, next week. So, <laughs> But when God's at work, you just have to trust him. And so this series is really about how do we live out our convictions? How do we, how do we help people who are in need of repentance inside and outside the church? You know, because our brothers and sisters, if we're just being honest and I love you and you love me and we all love each other, but when we bring correction to one another, sometimes we get a little in our feelings. And even when we know the person's right, we don't like them pointing it out, right? We get a little bit in our feelings. When somebody says, oh, I saw you, uh-uh, and they say, oh, look at you, well, I know who, and instead of letting the Holy Spirit speak to us we get all in our feelings and feelings aren't right or wrong they just are but when the holy spirit is pricking your heart and saying hey 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 and somebody comes to you to confirm and affirm that and you still behave that way ask yourself why am i mad why am i upset hmm so, so, so we're trying to persuade other people um, through Scripture. Again, not, not Bible B, not, you know, listen, they call me a Bible thumper, a Bible bumper, and to that I say thank you. Uh, that means I'm living the Word. So, uh, you know, uh, my own family, Bible thumper. I'm like, yes, thank you very much. At least you noticed, right? Uh, at least I can be, I'm glad to be accused of being a Bible thumper. So if you have been, you can continue. I'm not even mad at you. I love you for it. Uh, but but when, you're, when you're trying to persuade people, you have to expect hostility. Because nobody likes to be corrected. So we're going to expect hostility. Also, we're going to expect hostility because the first thing that people love to do is say that you're a hypocrite. Even, even if you're not, they like to accuse you of that because it gives them permission. As if, because you do it, I do it. Still not correct, no matter how you slice it. You're going to stand before God and say, well, she was doing it. 
Last time that happened, I remember Peter and John. And Peter had just been restored. And the first thing Jesus says, well, what about John? And, and Jesus said, it ain't about John. It's about you. How about you worry about you and I'll worry about John? So there's an, a biblical example, Bible thumper, hello, right there. You, we have to act with gentleness. Even if they don't receive it with gentleness, we don't have to get ugly. Why get ugly? Ugly ain't going to change nothing. Show respect and model biblical examples. And I, I wanted to read to you what Jesus said to expect holy hostility. You can expect it, and you're going to find it in Matthew. It's, uh, it's on your outlines, and it'll come up uh, also. You can look it up um, if you're reading along with us. Uh, it's on your app notes. By the way, the, the app has notes too, and you can actually fill that in. Another benefit to the app. It says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep. Everybody say sheep. In the midst of wolves. Everybody say wolves. So be wise as serpents. Everybody say serpents. And innocent as doves. Now, notice the next thing that Jesus says is beware. Beware of men. Beware of people. Beware of others. For they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And, they, and you will, is he saying you might? He keeps saying will up in here, doesn't he? You will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the Gentiles, did you know that sometimes you and I are going to face adversity and struggles because God is trying to put you in front of somebody you normally wouldn't be able to be in front of so that you might be a witness. So it says when, everybody say when. It didn't say if, it said when. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. Anybody ever feel like, I don't know what I ought to say, so I ain't saying nothing? Well, the Bible tells me right now, it says, I'm not supposed to wear it, for what you are to say will be given to you. Somebody say amen. amen. In that hour, notice it's in that hour. You ain't going to know two hours before, or two weeks before, or two days before. It's going to be in that hour, right? But listen to this. Listen to verse 20. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Wow. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all, everybody say all, all. for my name's sake. But the one who endures till the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Again, speaking of the Bible says the gospel has to be preached throughout the whole world, right? And so he says this, he says, uh, um, before the Son of Man comes, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they called the master the house of Beelzebub, uh, how much more will they malign those in his household? If they said Jesus was Beelzebub, 
if they said Jesus was the devil, how much more will they say you are? And you can't help but make parallels. I don't know about you, but Jesus 2020, he's the only answer. We all think that something's going to happen, that something's going to change, but the truth of the matter is Jesus is the only answer. He better be your candidate. Because if anybody else is your candidate, you're in trouble. You don't believe me? Today, 2020, right is wrong. You stand up for what is right, it's wrong. Sex is God in our culture. Sex is God. And if you don't believe me, then say something about sex to somebody. Especially say, say something that the Bible says about sex to somebody and find out how quickly they call you a hater. How quickly they tell you that you don't love God and God is love and God would never correct them. I'm just making sure because I'm getting ready to get some people riled up in a minute. Infant sacrifice is acceptable in our culture for the sake of choice. See, that right there will make people mad instantly. They think, oh, he's being political. I'm not being political. I'm being biblical. You can't kill children. You can't. You cannot. But in our culture, me saying that right now, people will click me off the screen and write me off right now because they're going to immediately say, oh, he's a Republican or he's this or he's that. I ain't none of that. I'm a Jesusarian. I could care less about all that garbage, and I get in trouble for that with my contemporaries and my congregation. Oh, Democrat, Republican, Independent. I could care less about any of those. I care about what the Bible says, and this just in, both of your candidates are heathen. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that out loud, but I did, and now I'm in trouble with somebody. Ugh. Can you tell I'm a little frustrated? We hit all these topics. When, when you speak the truth in love, people disagree and you're a hater. Instantly, I'm a hater. I just made Rep Republicans and Democrats mad. I'm an equal opportunity angry person. And even now, even now I've upset the apple cart because I said something that doesn't match your politics. The problem is it matches your theology. Or does it? See, I'm supposed to be as wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. What I say to you is between you and God. I'm just telling you, when we live our convictions, you can expect hostility. There's an election coming in a couple weeks. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. But the last election, I got in trouble when I told people that on Tuesday, Jesus was still going to be on the throne. Yeah, there was a group of people in the church that wanted to run me out of the church. 
because I didn't back their candidate. Went to my trustees. This man needs correcting. He needs to back our candidate. Our trustee said, you need to back off our pastors what you need to do. I haven't spoke to some of those people since then. It breaks my heart. All I did was say Jesus was going to be my king on Tuesday. And guess what? This election, guess who's going to be my king on Tuesday? Jesus. Jesus. Because you see, there's this, there's this amazing book. Number one bestseller. No one's ever outsold it. And the interesting thing about this book is it tells me that God puts people in authority. So do I know better than God? Or does he? So who are we going to trust? So I say use your American right to vote. Vote however you want. I don't care how you vote. I really don't. I don't care. But use your right to vote because it's your right. It was earned. But don't give me any flack because I told you Jesus is still on the throne. And it's Jesus 2020 for the old Mikester. So now as we get to this, uh, that's, I don't know, I just, I had to take a minute there because I got to get all this out somehow uh, because I really worry about humans. I worry about Christians. I worry about our church. I worry about our church family. I just don't know how we can just keep hurting each other. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. If you're going to speak up, can you just speak up and not spew? That's all I ask. My goodness, why do we have to make it personal? Why do instantly you have to be this and I have to be this? Why? And both people are claiming God. Notice I use God in that. They don't invoke God until it's something they want. And they're all doing it claiming in the name of the Bible. But it's not, it's opinion. Jesus was commissioning his people out. You know what Jesus was commissioning his people to do? He wasn't commissioning his people to campaign. I said Jesus was not commissioning his people to campaign. Jesus was commissioning his people to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The son of the living God. The only hope this world will ever have. So he commissions them and he sends them out to preach the gospel and he warns them that when you go to preach the gospel, you are going to face persecution. So the situation is clear. He says, hey, you're sheep, you're vulnerable animals, and you're going to be surrounded by wolves that are aggressive animals and there's a risk involved. When you stand up for Jesus, there is a risk involved. Trust me. And we should always expect to face, face opposition, hostility, and perhaps even persecution because of what you believe. 
When we live with, the, with conviction, we can expect hostility, but we can also expect the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our persecution. You can expect the Holy Spirit, you can fill that in, expect the Holy Spirit's presence and power when you're facing persecution. The type of hostility that Jesus was talking about in this passage is hostility toward the gospel message. I'm not, I, don't want you to be host, I don't want you to be hostile toward someone, toward their candidate's message. But if you're preaching the gospel, you should expect hostility. Even when it's presented with gentleness and respect, you can expect it. We should not view every instance of criticism or antagonism as persecution. People aren't going to agree with you. You're not persecuted because they don't love Jesus the way you love Jesus. You're not persecuted for that. Persecution is different. It's still happening. There are people today who will lose their head in other countries for the gospel. There are people locked behind bars because they had one page of the Bible and they were passing it around. And we want to whine and cry because someone called us a Bible thumper. Please. You need to be a dove with alligator skin. We should step back and examine, are we truly being as innocent as doves? So how should we conduct ourselves? I'm glad you asked. How should we conduct ourselves? The Bible says that we're to be shrewd as serpents, meaning that we should show proper powers, sharp powers of judgment. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? You know where it comes from? It comes from the Holy Spirit in you, who gives you the gift of discernment, who gives you the gift of wisdom, who gives you the gift of knowledge. That's where it comes from. So we're supposed to be shrewd, meaning that the two animals that Jesus describes as how believers are to conduct themselves, he says serpents, they're shrewd, they're creatures, they're expert at hiding and and experts of getting away when danger approaches. Did you know that that's actually in the Bible? The Bible says they want to put hands on Jesus and the Bible says he quickly rushed through the crowd and got away before they could get a hold of him. Then there were other times people said, you should go down into there. And Jesus said, I can't go into there because there's men who want to lay hold of me. There are men who want to lay hands on me and they don't want to lay hands on me to pray for me. And so the Bible says he had to escape. Every time I think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Jesus, I always think about the roadrunner and coyote. You know, Acme Box always shows up and they're always trying to get, and the roadrunner always gets away. I always think of Jesus like, meet me. You know, it's just what happens. It's what happens in my head. I'm sorry. Now, now when you're reading the Bible, that's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be, uh, yeah, a bunch of Pharisees, you know, Acme boxes. But it's just, Jesus is telling the apostles, don't be naive. Just go to the next town if you're in danger. Sometimes you need to move out of that situation and move on. As a matter of fact, Jesus even said, shake the dust off your feet if they don't receive it and move on a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still it's truth 
There are countless times in the Bible where the Pharisees try to trap Jesus and they think they paint him into a corner, but every time they don't catch him. One way, it's gonna, the, the broken and disappointed and the poor would be dis, discouraged, and the other way, they would claim that he was going to be blasphemous. But every single time, they didn't take into account the third option. The third option was when you're led by the power of the Holy Spirit then what happens is, is you have a third option. So see, when your enemies are painting you into the corner, when your adversaries are painting you into a corner, they're thinking A, B, they forgot C. Option C, which was the Holy Spirit. And we see that even in Jesus' life. When he's 30, as he's approaching the water, uh, John the Baptist says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world... The Bible says that Jesus goes into the water and, and John says, I can't baptize you, you need to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, you need to do what the Bible says. And so he says, this has to be done. It says he baptized him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove and anointed him, everybody say anointed him. For his earthly ministry. I want you to know today that when you believe in Jesus and you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your life and anoints you for your earthly ministry. And your earthly ministry is to preach the gospel. Jesus 2020. He's the only way. The same Spirit that empowered Jesus can, can empower anyone who believes and receives, but you and I must be shrewd as serpents, and the only way it's going to happen is if you have spiritual gifts. And you know what those spiritual gifts? Discernment, wisdom, knowledge. And you know what else comes with the, you know what else comes with the gifts? The fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, self-control. So not only you have, you have these amazing, shrewd gifts, but then you have these amazing love gifts. The fruit that's produced, not manufactured. So that's how we're supposed to behave. The second thing I want you to see is we're to be gentle as doves, meaning we are to remain innocent and blameless. Now, doves are gentle, they're peaceful creatures. Believers are called to remain innocent and blameless even when you're surrounded by wolves. These characteristics uh, should define how we act when interacting with people who are antagonistic toward our faith. If you know somebody's antagonistic toward your faith, just be kind to them. I remember at Walmart Distribution Center, there was one guy that just wanted to disprove faith so bad and he would try so hard and he would come by and he would see me in the lunchroom and he'd say, I got you this time, Conaway. Got you this time. I'd say, okay, come on and sit down, Mike, sit down. He'd sit down and he'd say, what about this? And he'd start laying it out there. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm only a few years saved at that point. And I'm like, man, those are great points. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would take over. And I'd begin to give him answers that I didn't even know. And then he would leave and be like, I'm going to get you next time, man. I'm going to get you next time. True story. The Lord knows what's true and what's not. He would leave out of there. I'm coming back. I'm not done yet. Found out later he was a son of a minister. You see, what, what would cause him to want to come back? Because he never got a bad answer from me. It was always a gentle answer. I was always like, yeah, sit down. Let's eat together. Let's talk. Let's chat. 
And I'm scared inside, like, man, he might have me this time. But he, he might have me, but he never had God. He never had the Holy Spirit, ever. And every time, until the day I left, he never brought up something that I could not answer. Isn't that something? A dock worker from Walmart Distribution Center had an answer for a man who was 20 years older than him because of the Holy Spirit. But if you asked him about me today, he would still say one of the kindest guys he met, a nice guy who never turned him away. I didn't have to get ugly with him. I, didn't, I wasn't even mad at him. I was hoping he'd win him to Christ and baptize him. Secretly, I kept saying, I'm going to baptize you one day. We're going to stand in the water. But I wasn't saying it out loud because then, you know, <laughs> shrewd, shrewd, shrewd. Remember, innocent, blameless. But Jesus' intention in dealing with the Pharisees and Sadducees, did you know he never wanted to get them back? That wasn't Jesus' idea, guys. Jesus was like, oh, I'm going to get you and put you in your place. You know what Jesus always wanted? He wanted to bring them back. He wanted to bring them out of religion. He wanted them to have that kind of passion for loving God and loving people the way they were supposed to. His whole desire. Remember when he cried out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I've wanted you to gather uh, like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you won't let me. He always was like, I want... Why do you think he let Nicodemus come to him? Why do you think Joseph of Arimathea allowed him to use that expensive tomb because they knew something was different about this guy and he loved him jesus never used evil for evil he didn't say oh they're treating me that way well i'm going to treat them that way lightning <laughs> right he's like oh they're going to be smart rock right tree grow oh sorry that tree choked you my bad. He never did any of those things. He always did everything with compassion and love. The man who spoke and out of nothing made something, had the power to speak, and they would be gone. But he never did, ever. Instead, he remained harmless as doves, he remained innocent. And trust me, it was observed by everybody. Did you hear me? Everybody saw how Jesus, even his enemies saw how he, how, how, when he was being mistreated, they watched. Let me tell you something. When people are mistreating you, others are watching. They want to know how you're going to respond. Are you going to get ugly? The turn the other cheek example. Everybody uses that and says, I'm no doormat. Jesus had nothing to do with doormats. It had everything to do with exposing the trouble or the injustice of the other person. They say, who would do this and then this to somebody? That was the worst insult you could do, and that's what Jesus was saying. He, Jesus said, just show people. He, wasn't, he was saying, other people will make that judgment, but if you got two people just fist fighting, when the cops come, everybody goes to jail. The people on the street can't say, well, this and this. Because the people for the other one are going to say, well, this one started it. Well, that one started it. This one started it. And everybody's going to have a witness for somebody. And you know it wasn't even you. Everybody's going to have a perspective. 
The only way that enemies could trap Jesus were to trap Pilate. They finally trapped Pilate because Pilate said, There's, I can't find anything wrong with this dude. Everything you said about him is not true. I had a conversation with him. I'm sorry, guys. He's kind of cool. That's the PMV version. You're probably not going to see that in the Bible. But he's like, he's kind of cool, man. I like that dude. Pilate even went against his wife. And any husband knows that's not smart. His wife's like, you better leave that man alone. Then Pilate goes out and tries to do this big, look, I'm washing my hands, but he was going to do something wrong. You can't wash your hands and then get them dirty again and then be like, my hands are clean. But the only way they could do that, because listen, in these times, you're going to face difficult times. You're going to face wrong judgments. You're going to face accusations. But you got to remain like Jesus. And did you know there's a time to be silent? There's a time not to fight anymore. When you've said everything you need to say, don't say anything else and don't even pick it back up because people will try you. They'll keep trying to see, are you going to come back? And I always say, I've said everything I'm going to say on that topic. I'm not saying another thing on that topic. If you want to discuss something else, that's okay. You just have to leave it alone. It won't shut them up. Just so you know, they're still going to call you every name in the book and they're still going to say everything that's not true. And they're going to lie about you. Oh, they're going to lie about you. But that's when you have to trust. You have to trust that they can't, you cannot control what people say about you, but you can control if it's true or not. And the judges are going to be the people around you who know you. And they're going to say, nah, that's not that dude. That's not him. Sorry. So in the conclusion, Jesus tells the the apostles that they're going to face conflict and hostility because he was treated the same way in verse 25. Jesus has gone through everything that we've gone through, and he says that in 19 and 20. He reminds us that we are called on to explain what we believe. We need to leave it to the Holy Spirit. When people say, why do you believe that Jesus stuff? Leave it to the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be afraid. We can rest that we're never, ever alone. When you and I choose to believe in Jesus Christ and we choose to receive him as our Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit of God that is our deposit on eternity. So when somebody says to you, why do you believe in heaven? Because I know that I know that I know. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he has put eternity in our hearts, yet we cannot fathom what God is doing from beginning to end. Leave me alone. You don't want to go to heaven? that's between you and God but you trying to convince me there is no heaven not going to work I know I know and what happens is that's a Holy Spirit kind of no your own mind is going to play tricks on you as believers it's going to tell you you're not worthy don't you anybody in the room get told that at least once a week I get mine about seven days a week but anyway you're not worthy you're not good enough. You're not, you're not this. You're not that. Your emotions will tell you that. Because we, how many people know you're going to make a mistake this week and get mad at somebody? How many people know you're going to make a mistake and make a wrong judgment? And your emotions are going to betray you. And then it's going to be like, see, you're not a good Christian. Your family. Ah, gotcha. 
you now. You said you were, and now look at this. Your friends, co-workers, they're going to put you under a microscope. Whether you want to be there or not, you're under the microscope. And sin is always crouching at our door waiting for the opportunity. That's what the Bible says in two different places. Sin is always crouching at the door waiting to jump on us. However, we got the Holy Spirit. We got the gifts of the Spirit. We got the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because we have Jesus. And so I just encourage you, guys, listen, with all this stuff happening in 2020 and all, these, all this other business, by the way, people are, 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 2020, people have so many questions about, um, you know, end times because, <laughs> I mean, come on, 2020, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Every time we think something else can happen, something else happens. I'm not even going to say I, whatever, man. You know what I'm saying? It's 2020, you know? I mean, I don't know what's going on. You know, it's true. I don't even know. I'm waiting for Martians. You know, I don't know. But I'm not, just so you know. Uh, hey, hey, there goes the emails and the calls. But even in the midst of all these things, we have hope. And our hope is Jesus. And it's a firm hope. And if you don't have that hope, you can have that hope today. And I'm not telling you you're going to be perfect because Lord knows we're not going to be perfect. But I am telling you you can be perfected. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And that means I've got to be patient with you and you've got to be patient with me. In just a couple weeks, I'm going to start a series called The Dragon and the Sea. And it's about end times. It's about what happens. Because I don't know if you guys know this, and I think... Many of you do, but some may not. And when I say that, I really mean that. Prophecy has not been fulfilled. Revelation and Daniel, they're all books of prophecy that have not come to pass yet. And I want to give us a glimpse into the prophecy that's coming through a series called The Dragon and the Sea in just a couple weeks. But before I get to that, I need us to get to this serpents and doves thing so we can get our minds and hearts right so that when those times come, we'll be equipped and ready, full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, and willing to use the gifts and operate in the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and thank you for this beautiful day. And I thank you, God, for this incredible church, these beautiful people that you have allowed us to call ourselves family. For those that are watching on YouTube and Facebook and those that are in the room, and God... We just want to be like you. And Lord knows on our best day, we, we fail. But here's one thing we promise, God, we'll never quit trying. God, we love you, and that is truly from our hearts. Help us, God. We repent right now. If we've had wrong attitudes, we repent right now. If we have been the source of someone else's hostility, we repent right now. God, give us strength as we present the gospel. As we present the gospel, may we be innocent as doves. May you give us wisdom to be shrewd as serpents. Lord, as we live our lives as sheep among wolves, will you remind us that you're the good shepherd and the good shepherd protects us from wolves. 
And Lord, for those lost sheep, those sheep that have wandered from the pasture and they need to come home, would you let them know that your pasture gates are open and the gate is Jesus and all they have to do is believe in Jesus and receive him and then your sheep know your voice. If you're here this morning and you hear the shepherd calling, come home. If you're here this morning, you're listening, hear the shepherd say, welcome. Choose to enter in by just simply saying, Jesus, I believe in you. And Jesus, I receive you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sin. I believe that you were raised to life and that you defeated Satan, sin, and death. And I believe that you're preparing a place for me. And one day you'll come back to take me to be with you. I receive the Holy Spirit right now based upon my confession. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I am filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And I am filled with the gifts of the Spirit. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning?